Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, an author explores what it takes to go faster. You got to get your body comfortable with being uncomfortable and sort of being on that edge and that threshold of exhaustion because as you get your body comfortable with it, you can push it out a little bit further each day. So that was a real breakthrough at the time, as was his idea that even though this is an individual sport, you're so much better if you train on a team. A relay run of more than 300 kilometers. It's one van, six people, um, and you're running straight through the day, you're running all night, and you're running into the next day until you finish this. And it was by far one of the most incredible um, experiences that I've ever done before, and I feel like I've also made a lifetime of uh, friendships getting to do this as well. It, I would not have thought that 28 hours, which is um, about the time that it took us to complete it, I never thought that you'd get to make lifetime friends in such a little short, uh, such a short span of time. But uh, it was incredible. And a fortuitous half marathon in Ireland. It was everything I had hoped it would be and more. And we got lucky too. The Irish are, you know, infamous for the weather. You know, the, the joke is if you don't like the weather, wait another 20 minutes because it rains a lot. Uh, then suddenly the sun will break through. But that morning it was almost perfect. It was a little breezy when we got up, but it was about 13 degrees Celsius, a little bit of sun when we started. And then it clouded over a bit about halfway through and then it was overcast for the rest. So you really couldn't ask for better weather. On this edition of I Run Radio, we'll talk to author Matt Futterman who is the deputy sports editor of the New York Times. His new book is about the fascinating story of how a running coach unlocked the secret to getting faster. We're also going to talk to a passionate runner who was recently part of a relay race of more than 300K and a runner who just did a half marathon in Ireland. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of iRun, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm feeling terrific. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing great. I hear you had a very good run recently. Is that right? I did. Yeah. You know, thanks for asking. I really did. I ran the, the 10K, the, the Lululemon Waterfront uh, 10K in Toronto. Okay. And I just, a guy in my run club told me that I needed to reread my book. And he said, I think my problem is that I had sort of fallen in love with the thing that I was either taking it too seriously or something, but that there was some element missing. And I think what it was, was I was sort of, you know, what I was doing is I was trying too hard at times, not trying just hard enough consistently. And then when I raced, I was sort of hoping that the extra hard trying would be there in the reserve tank. Um, (laughs) Okay. I'm getting confused. Wait, wait, wait wait a second. So sometimes Uh, you were trying too hard and sometimes you weren't trying hard enough. Yes, and, and then on race day, I was hoping that that would somehow average in a personal best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So you seem to see it so right. That's funny to you. Obviously, that's not a good. <laughs> well, I, I have no idea whether it's a good strategy or not. I just think the, I just think the the framing of it, the presentation of it in this conversation is funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, it might be the but, best strategy in the world. I have no idea, but you know, well, sometimes I'll run too day. hard. Sometimes I won't run hard enough, and then on race day, I'll come right up the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, I see the uh, error in my ways, <laughs> and it turned out, you know, that that was a bad strategy. In fact. And uh, all along, all the different programs and things actually were right, and doing it in this sort of like half cockamamie way was uh, wasn't good. And so what I did was I ran the 10K, and I ran it. You know, I'm just 
I also have to face facts that I am not in PB shape anymore, and I, I may never do that. There was a time in my life where I ran thirty-seven thirty in a ten k. Wow! I, this was be- well. This was be- you know it was before I had kids, and it was when I started running, and then I could do even when I was doing I was doing thirty-eight thirty, and I was doing times like that, and not and you know and it's just and that's great. And, but I'm not doing that anymore, and that's okay, too. We're all getting older, Ben. We're all getting older. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. And also, you know what the truth of the matter is? I don't think I want to go on an all-kale diet, and I don't think I want to <laughs> measure my steps every single day, and I don't want to met out my rations, and I don't want to do that, and I want to enjoy it still, you know? So I ran 39 13, something like that. I, uh, But again, the t- I shouldn't even be emphasizing the times because that's not yeah, really like, important. Let, but let me interject here for a second and say you ran under 40 minutes in a 10K. So any day you do that, no matter what you've been doing before, I mean, that's that's a fantastic time no matter what. So mm-hmm. you should be happy oh, with my- that. I, but yeah, but that's the takeaway. I see, and I don't, I don't know what part of me is programmed. I think you've been programming me through Iron, some sort of thing where I'm thinking I have to get the times out of here because it doesn't matter what yeah. matters. And why I'm so happy is because I was high fiving, I was yelling out for Rachel Hannah, I was doing things that is, I had a good morning, you know. You and I don't think had I gone. 18 seconds faster or 31 seconds slower. It shouldn't really matter like that. I gave a good effort. I enjoyed myself. I walked away. I ate a donut. Like, you know, I just love doing the thing. And I yeah. think that's why it was a good race. You and know, it had me at donut right there. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. always a good thing. Um, yeah. And I know you've been talking to Cam Levin, speaking of people who can run fast. Yeah. Cam is the yeah. fastest marathoner in Canadian history. And he thinks he can go faster. I saw you you actually sent out a tweet this week uh, fr- from the I Run Nation account, and I was gonna I was gonna raise this with you. Maybe now isn't the best time to do it, but you you put a bad word in that tweet. Oh no! Oh my lord! Yeah. Maybe we are having our uh, yikes. Well, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> but but I would say the the important thing is though it is incredible though when you talk to him and he says, you know, that uh, a few things went wrong that day yeah. and that it wouldn't be out of the conversation and he said you know or, or he uses he had a funny turn of frame something akin like uh you know if i just had a good day something like that <laughs> akin to that like and it was like dude you that's like the raptors saying they wanted to beat golden state two more times <laughs> like right. it's enough you won the whole you did it man how uh you know how much better can you do but yeah he said he can uh he really thinks he can do it and it's also uh you know what's so great about him and what i would say is that it's almost an act of generosity because when these Canadian heroes choose to race in Canada, it's a big deal and it's good for our sport. And it's nice to have our heroes at home where we can cheer on them and support them. You know, there was talk that he was going to run in London and there's other races with bigger winnings and where he could be on a more sort of, you know, internationally competitive and renowned stage against some of the American Olympic marathon hopefuls and that. But him running in Toronto and him supporting Canada and the Canada Running Series is sort of a big deal to me, you know, and yeah. uh, and I personally appreciate that. Very cool. Him. He's a neat guy. And, uh, yeah, he really is. Yeah, and, and every one of us, and it doesn't matter how well an event goes, we always think, you know what, I, I could do a little bit better than that, right? <laughs> if, this, if, I just, if I just tweak this or, yeah. 
There you go. Yeah, he said something about his fueling, and if you know, he just took off two seconds per kilometer in the middle of ten. Like yeah. you know, sure, bud. That's that's what Maybe. drives us all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, collectively and individually. There you go. Good stuff, Ben. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it, my friend. That is Ben Kaplan, I run's editor and general manager. Coming up next, author and New York Times deputy sports editor Matt Futterman on his new book. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Welcome back to I Run Radio. I Run Radio is on the air every Sunday morning on 1310 News in Ottawa. And you can also listen to the podcast. Check out past editions of the show at irun.ca. Just click on radio. Matt Futterman is a runner and also the deputy sports editor of the New York Times. He's just released a new book called Running to the Edge, a band of misfits and the guru who unlocked the secrets of speed. Matt Futterman, it's great to welcome you to I Run Radio. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your own running, and then we'll talk about your, your new book and, and the many lessons from that. But um, you, you, write, uh, you wrote in a piece in the New York Times recently that running serves so many purposes for you. Tell us about some of those. Uh, well, I guess the first one I can say is, um, you know, it, it, it really is sort of a, a, a meditative thing for me. Um, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, I, I run mainly early in the morning. Um, it's it's nice and quiet. Then I, I sort of order my I order my thoughts for the day. Uh, I, I you know if I'm struggling with writing something, um, I really feel like uh, I do my best writing when I'm running because um, there's something about the movement that sort of gets the mind a little jostled. My family is pretty. Uh, pretty used to seeing me come in from a long run and uh, run over and grab a piece of paper and a pen and start scribbling some things down that they know I've thought of while I was running and I want to sort of get it down before uh, the thought dissipates while I stretch out. Yeah, so, um, I've been there. I've been and you, yeah. you, you got to create almost like a little... Uh, a mnemonic or something else that's going to help you remember it all by the, you know, I I make these little lists of key words so that when I get home, I remember the five things that I want to remember. You know, it's, there's a lot of pressure in those moments. Right. People ask me, or they say, you know, why don't you stop and do a voice recording or or (laughs) type out some notes on your phone? Well, I don't really run with my phone. My whole point of running is to get away from my phone and really to sort of get away from just about, everything uh that the rest of the world carries with it so um there's that i, I will also say you know i have i have three daughters and i've been married for 23 years and we live in a you know not the most spacious apartment in the world so um getting a little break and getting out of that uh can be uh, can be therapeutic as well sure and you've been running for quite a long time since you were a teenager right yeah, yeah, I think I started running. I mean, it depends on when you uh, when you start the clock. But I think I I sort of started re- regularly running around fourteen or fifteen. Um, I was I'm now uh, 
going to be 50 in August. So uh, about 35 years or so. I ran my first race when I was 10 years old. I remember like it was yesterday. It was it was raining. It was a five-mile race in my hometown very early in the running boom. And uh, I, I ran a 40-15. I felt pretty good about that being in the fourth grade. Yeah, uh-huh. good for you. Very impressive. And and you write about how you had a bit of an epiphany with regard to uh, the book that we're going to talk about in a moment, Running to the Edge. Uh, you you were running actually in Italy, and you, you were struggling with with uh, how to approach the book, and something came to you. Tell us that story. Well, I, I was uh, on vacation in Italy, and I was waking up earlier than the rest of my family, and I would go running um, we, we had rented an apartment that was about two blocks from the Tiber River, and I would I had figured out this route where I just run along the river um, until I got to the Olympic Stadium, which amazingly the 1960 Olympic Stadium from Rome is just an open track at this point. Uh, you can go there and and just sort of run in the footsteps of your heroes. And uh, so I would do that in the morning. It was probably about three miles to the stadium, and then I'd run a little bit in the stadium and then run back. And um, I was reading Frank Shorter's memoir at the time, uh, trying to figure out what this, just just sort of immersing myself in running books. It's just something I, I regularly do anyway. Um, and I think the epiphany I got was what what the story of Bob Larson and the, his, his club, the Hummel Toads, which were these hippie runners uh, from the 1960s and 70s that served as his lab rats as he figured out uh, the formula to make people run really, really far, really, really fast. Uh, and, and it was really sort of got, it, I had this idea that, you know, this was really a book about why we run um, and what makes us want to run and what we're doing out there. And that became sort of the first question I started asking the, the 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 members of the Humboldt Toads and I asked Bob about it. Um, that was sort of where every interview started, which was, you know, why do you run? What makes you run? What were you, what did you what do you feel like when you're running? What were you seeking? Where were you running to? What were you running from? All those sorts of uh, kind of meditative questions that sort of brought the book a, a little bit beyond uh, the basic sort of sports story, which was about this team of runners that came out of nowhere to win the 1976 uh, U.S. Cross-Country National Championships back when that was basically the biggest race in the country other than the Boston Marathon. So what did you learn from that? Uh, why do we run? Uh, because uh, it's it's not always convenient, it's not always easy, it's not always fun, and Yet we push ourselves, and, and many of us keep trying to run faster. So what is it that motivates us to do that? I think it's a different reason for different people. I mean, some people want some people do it because they want to be skinny. Um, I do it somewhat because I play this little game with myself, which is uh, if, I, if I can keep lowering or coming close to lowering my, my marathon PR, then maybe that means I'm not actually getting older. Um, so, uh, so that's a, I yeah, hate to break I, I it to you, but you know, it is still happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is still happening. Unfortunately, I'm a day older today than I am yesterday, but you know, at the same time, I, I'm coming to accept that aging is a privilege. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of different reasons. And what was, I got some fascinating answers from the, the, the people who ended up being the characters 
in my book. Uh, one, you know, one of them was Ed Mendoza, who was uh, really small growing up and was a terrible stick and ball athlete. And he would get he would always get humiliated. He said because he would get picked after his little sister uh, for games of you know baseball and football down at the park in his in his neighborhood. And then he went to high school, and there was a gym class, and they had to run. And the gym teacher told him he was one of the fastest kids in the school, and he should do track and field. And he said, "What's track and field?" Because he didn't know what it was. And they explained it to him. And when he started showing up at practices, and he started beating guys who were several years older than he was, who were on the team, he finally felt like his little body had a purpose. Uh, he had never felt that way before. He felt like he had been sort of granted, um, you know, not much, something that wasn't of much use. And here, he sort of felt like he had something, and he it, it gave meaning to him. Um, so you find stories like that. You find stories about uh, other characters who you know ran because they needed to lower their um, need to lower their their time in a two mile to below nine minutes because so they could get a scholarship to college because they their home situation was bad. And parents were fighting. That was Dale Fleet's story, and he just really needed to get out of his house, and he had no money. So he ran 800 miles one summer because he figured if he could run 800 miles in a summer, he'd be in good enough shape to run two miles under nine minutes and escape his home. So uh, there's a whole lot of different reasons that people run, and uh, I, I think those reading, reasons are most often very meaningful. It's rare that you that you ask a runner why they run, and they just say, I don't know, it's just something I do. <laughs> very true. Uh, so let's talk about Bob Larson, who is the coach of this band of mis- misfits, as you describe them, the guru uh, who unlocks the secrets of speed, as you put it in the title of the book. Um, who is he and what did he discover at this time that allowed him to produce such great results in his athletes? So I knew Bob for years um, just simply as Meb Gifleski's coach, and that being the perhaps the greatest American distance runner, um, certainly of his era, but maybe of any era, 2004 silver medalist in the Olympic marathon, 2009 New York champion, 2014 Boston champion. And so I had been talking to Bob about Meb for a couple of years. Uh, and then I, I saw this little documentary that Bob, that, that had one of Bob's former runners had made about him and uh, there was a picture of these guys, the Hummel Toads was the name of the group, and they were these scraggly-looking hippie runners. Uh, they looked kind of like the Doobie Brothers for uh, people who couldn't get that or old enough sure. to get that reference. But, you know, beards and long hair, and um, these were the guys that, that, that served as Larson's lab rats. Uh, and what he basically discovered was... Uh, a, a third way, because there were two schools of running back then, if to, to the extent that there were any schools, because this was this is the 1960s, and really nobody was running on their own. Um, you know, there was nothing more countercultural that you could do than go for a run on the roads. Uh, it just was so different than it is today. It was very sort of fringe activity. And but, but to the extent that there were two schools, there was the Lydiard School, Lydiard you know, being the New Zealand coach um, who sort of invented jogging. And but his idea was all about volume and train, don't strain. And um, then there was the Eastern Europeans. Uh, Emil Zadipek was their hero, and Zadipek used to do his fav- his famous. Uh, quarter-mile intervals, he'd do like 60 or 70 quarter-mile intervals at 65 to 70 seconds each, 
Uh, I mean, it's just, just these unbelievable workouts. But the idea that spread, and, that, and it worked for him. He's the only guy to win the 5,000, the 10,000, and the marathon in the same Olympics. Um, but um, the, the, their philosophy was just, you know, interval after interval, interval to really harden your heart. And Bob's idea, Bob's two questions were, why do the long runs have to be so slow and why do the intervals have to be so short? So uh, he had his runners going out and you know, warming up for a few miles and then going hard for three miles and then five miles and then seven miles and doing what we now, everyone just refers to as tempo runs. Uh, but he was really the first one to push that idea. And the, the idea behind it was um, – you, you got to get your body comfortable with being uncomfortable and sort of being on that edge and that threshold of exhaustion because as you get your body comfortable with it, you can push it out a little bit further each day. So that was a real breakthrough at the time, as was his idea that even though this is a, an individual sport, you, you're so much better if you train on a team and part of a group. The group is just far more powerful than the individual. And then the third thing that he pounded into runners' heads, uh, whether it was the Hummel Toads who didn't have a sponsor, who barely had any money and were a far cry from the fancy running clubs in New York and Philadelphia and Colorado and Oregon, is that where you're born, how you're born, what money you have, what sponsors you have, none of that is your destiny. That if you do the work and put in the time then you can be a little bit better tomorrow than you were yesterday. And that becomes really, really important in the 2000s when people think the East Africans are just superior human beings that were, who are bred to, to run long distances and that their muscle fibers are different or some other kind of you know, gobbledygook. And Larson says, no, they're just working really hard. They're working harder than we are, and they're doing it at elevation. And if we do that, we can win too. And uh, sure enough, he proved himself right. Yeah. And now so many long-distance athletes do train at elevation. And uh, so one of the things I find fascinating about the quest to go faster is, particularly for long-distance events like the marathon, when you uh, you, when you're only going to run a couple of events a year where you're trying your hardest and there are so many variables, it is difficult to figure out what works for you and what will make you go faster because uh, you can have a great result and attribute it to something, but it could be due to something else that you're not even aware of. And there are, as I said, so many variables. So, so what are the lessons that come out of all of this for everyday runners like you and me? I think, um, well, there's a few lessons. One is one is those three lessons about making yourself uncomfortable, comfortable with being uncomfortable and, you know, relying on teammates and being part of a group and that, you know, you make your own destiny. I mean, those are lessons that, you know, they can help you with running, but they can, I think they can also pretty much help you with, uh, with work and relationships and the whole rest of your life too. And I think that's really important. I think that's a huge benefit for running. But in terms of training plans and actual really sort of tangible results for, for running, the, the three, the few things that Larson, um, as, you know, came upon and the formula that got Americans back to the table uh, and competing with the best in the world is is training that involves three things. And one is the long run. Uh, the other is the um, the tempo run. 
And the third is some speed work, a workout. Uh, you know, you got to have whether it's eight by eight by eight hundreds or one mile repeats, or you know, a five k and then a then three mile repeats or something like that. You know, you have to do. If your training involves each of those three things, and you can do them at whatever pace you want, you're just this is you know whether you want to go from five hours to four and a half or four to three and a half, you know, you can do them at whatever pace you want. But if you have those three elements in your training program and a little bit of strength workout would probably go a long way to help you as well, uh, you can get faster. Well, that's encouraging for all of us, and uh, there are so many lessons arising out of this that uh, we haven't even touched on, but it's fascinating to get a glimpse into this, this incredible story that you've uncovered and shared in this new book. Uh, Matt Futterman, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with the book. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. That's Matt Futterman, Deputy Sports Editor of The New York Times. His new book is called Running to the Edge. Coming up next... A runner shares her passion for the sport and her recent experience in a 300-kilometer relay. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Sarah Hayagosh is a runner in Toronto along with five teammates. She recently participated in a relay race in southern Ontario that was more than 300 kilometers. Sarah? Thank you for joining us on iRun Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And Ben told me that what he admires about you is you always seem to be having so much fun. Does that sound like you? Is that is that a good <laughs> description? Do you love running that much? Yeah, I think that's very accurate. You know, I think it's just, it's such a fun thing to do. Um, I'm surrounded very often by a wonderful group of people that I get to do it with, and I run with some incredible athletes that I have to look up to. So it's always an amazing, exciting opportunity to kind of see where each run takes me. So where did this start for you? How did you get into running? Well, I've kind of always, I've always been an athlete in in school, in high school, and then as I became an adult, like I always did casual running, but... I really only recently got into heavier mileage, um, not even a year ago. Starting in October, I started uh, running with uh, the Black Toe Run Club. Uh, they had a 5K cookie event, and of course it was the cookies that initially enticed me to <laughs> sure. head out. And uh, I ended up just falling in love with the athletes that were at that store. And it was so funny because when I first walked in, I was so intimidated by everyone. Everyone looked so skilled and athletic and you know, put together, and I I really admired everyone there and the abilities that they had, and it kind of really progressed from from there, and the 5K became a 10K, and I'd never really run more than a 10K, and the next thing you know, you're running 15, 17, 20, and you're just constantly pushing these limits that you didn't even know that you had, so it's been an extraordinary and incredible journey, and it's been a real privilege, and 
those people that I used to be so intimidated by, some of them I get to call my friends, and, and it's it's been wonderful. It's been a really wonderful experience. Sounds amazing. And, and we think of running as an individual sport. I've said this many times, but... Uh, it really is a shared experience if you have a group of people that you can do it with, right? Oh, 100%. And, I mean, there's definitely the days that I go out and run on my own, and, and that in itself is a wonderful experience as well. I I most often run without music, and it gives me an opportunity to, you know, clear my head or be in my head or go through the things that are going on in my life and kind of get to embrace and appreciate and be grateful for things but also when I'm running with my team it's a wonderful opportunity to see where other people are to hear about the joys and successes uh, to hear about the next running events that they have I mean when I run with my group it's so contagious I mean everyone's always talking about their next big thing their next goal their mileage Um, and also they talk about the like the downs and the things that are hard about running when know you want to do well and you don't hit the pace or you don't hit your mileage or you're just your body is having an off day and it kind of allows you to see that everything that you do that you can sometimes feel like it's so personal to you and it's only happening to you it kind of gets you to see that everyone kind of experiences the same thing so you're held in a really safe space and and some of the first like marathon stories and stuff that you get to hear in these team events are they're also hilarious, so there's a lot of there's a lot of laughing moments as yeah. well. But uh, yeah, definitely a team sport as well. Yeah, and what has running come to mean for you? What role does it play in your life? What do you get from running? Well, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to even start. I mean, I get so much out of it. I I use it as a way to keep fit. I use it as a way to have fun, to relax, to let loose. I use it as a way to get to spend time with friends. I use it as a way to, you know, grow myself. I've become a stronger person mentally um, from running because it's constantly pushing myself and pushing my mental boundaries that I have and the self-limits that we can put on ourselves in in every run where I think that, you know, I can't do this or I, I can't run this far, I can't run in this heat or it's raining or it's too early. I mean, every single time you're you're pushing and breaking boundaries and barriers, and it allows you to see kind of really how strong of a person that you are. Um, I mean, I run, you know, I run for the calories sometimes for the opportunity to get to eat, you know, delicious snacks or go for dinners. That's a good um, reason. And also it's, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and it's also been, you know, it's been, I have a, I'm a 911 dispatcher, and it allows me to, also kind of run through stress sometimes like you come home from a hard day at work and it lets you kind of you know reset and yeah it's kind of like my calm and my peace and joy yeah wow very well said uh so let's talk about this event you did recently which is a, a ragnar relay event uh tell us a little bit about that okay um, well, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. I've never actually done anything like it. Um, it was the Reebok Ragnar Ultra Relay that I did. It was a team of six, uh, myself, a friend of mine, and four strangers that I've never met, uh, two of them from Vancouver, uh, one from Windsor, and one from Barrie. And essentially, we ran from Coburg to Niagara Falls. It was about 311 kilometers, but as a team, we did in total. And... Uh, you know, it's one van, six people, 
um, and you're running straight through the day, you're running all night, and you're running into the next day until you finish this. And it was by far one of the most incredible um, experiences that I've ever done before, and I feel like I've also made a lifetime of uh, friendships getting to do this as well. It, I would not have thought that 28 hours, which is um, about the time that it took us to complete it, I never thought that you'd get to make lifetime friends in such a little short uh, such a short span of time, but uh, it was incredible. It was a really interesting experience, and what was actually even funnier is when we were running or when we were driving from the Reebok um, head office to Coburg. I think the uh, head office for Reebok was in Markham when we were driving to Coburg, and it felt like we were driving so long just to even get to the start point. And I had a moment where I was like, I can't believe I'm actually going to be running this distance. This drive feels like it's taking sure. forever. So, yeah. Um, in the portion that I ran, I ran about uh, 52 kilometers in in uh, three legs that I had done, and I've never actually run that distance before. Uh, the furthest I've ever run before is 30 kilometers, so it was also a wonderful experience and opportunity just to see the limits once again being pushed and stretched, and it's actually just given me um, so much excitement, and it's opened my world to a whole new uh, side of racing that uh, that there is out there. So it was, it's been wonderful, and I'm really looking forward to uh, researching and learning uh, about some more trail runs and ultra runs, and getting to kind of go to different places to experience it. I think one of the nicest things for me during this was kind of getting to appreciate and be present in the moments that I was running because. You know, you're getting to run in such a beautiful country and such a beautiful province, and you're getting to see these places that you never really get to soak in because you're so busy or you're driving by, so it's too fast. And, you know, we were running along the waterfront for most of it, and it was just so beautiful to get to appreciate, you know, like being in that moment and seeing the scenery and getting to do those things. And I wouldn't have been able to had I not been out there running. So yeah. it, was, it was a really wonderful experience. Wow, you describe it so well. And and basically, when you're not running, you're in the van with the others. Is that how it works? You take turns running? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, that's right. So there's someone driving. And, and lucky for us, we had uh, two guys that really, you know, um, ran the cruise control on that for us. <laughs> but otherwise, you're in, you're, you're in the van and you're trying to sleep, you're trying to eat, you're you're changing out of your sweaty clothes. You're trying to figure out like how much time you have in between your runs because you need to be able to let your body rest. You need to be able to stretch. You need to eat. You need to let that digest to be able to get to your to be able to run your next run in a strong form. So, and you're also getting to know everyone as well. So there was lots of excitement and definitely some exhaustion by the end, but. It was a wonderful experience, and the people that I ran with, um, most of them were much more um, skilled runners in the sense of they've been running for a significantly longer time, and some of them only really do runs that are 50 kilometers and more, so this was almost like a walk in the park for them. So it was actually just an amazing opportunity to get to soak in all that experience and to hear about all the different things that uh, these guys run. One of the girls is going to be running, I think, uh, 110 kilometer run in now uh, Whistler doing running up mountains up there. So, I mean, that's wow. amazing. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Well, you describe it all so well, Sarah. It's uh, you really, obviously, this is a passion for you, and and it's really exciting to hear you share it with us uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us on I Run Radio. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's Sarah Hayagosh, a runner in Toronto. Coming up next, a fortuitous half marathon in Ireland. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Tracy Scholdice is a runner from Ottawa who recently completed a half marathon in Ireland, and he's going to tell us the story of that experience and how he ended up running there. Tracy, thank you for being with us on I Run Radio. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm glad you had me. So let's talk about how you ended up running a half marathon in Ireland. How did this come to be? Yeah, yeah a lot of it was just good luck. Um, part of it is that my company, Trend Micro, uh, has an office in Cork, Ireland. So the European marketing headquarters is there, and I needed to go over to Cork for a meeting anyway. And it turned out that I had to be in London the following week at a conference. So I had a weekend in the middle. And sometimes I would stay in Cork, sometimes I might go to London early, but then a friend of mine from the office in Cork said, you realize there's a half marathon that weekend in Cork. Wow. So I lit up, yeah, I was just very, very lucky. It was just really good timing. And uh, I signed up within five minutes. I said, okay, hold my beer. And I uh, <laughs> kind of got on the internet and, uh, and uh, signed up for it right away. And uh, that was probably around January, February when I was planning this. And then I've been looking forward to it ever since. It was meant to be, Tracy. I think it was. I had always wanted to do that one because, uh, again, this friend of mine, he's a runner in Cork. He always talks so highly of it. Um, but I just never knew I was going to have that kind of luck this year. So you spend a fair amount of time in Ireland then? I go once a year, sometimes twice. And I'm always in London at least once or twice a year for an event or, uh, you know, when I go to yeah. Cork to visit uh, colleagues there in the office. So, yeah. And tell me about Cork. Uh, and Because uh, Cork is a county, right? It is, and it's also a city. Okay. So it's in the southeast of Ireland. It's uh, about three and a half hours, I think, by car from Dublin. And uh, the thing about Cork, which makes it interesting and a little different from Dublin, is it's it's a little bit less of, of a touristy kind of city. It's it's a little bit more genuine. Um, there's kind of a local lore there that Cork is kind of the real Ireland. So they position themselves as kind of like the rebel city, you know, not like the rest of, of Ireland. It's about, I think, 400,000 uh, people. So it's not a small city, but it's certainly not big. Um, and it's because of that, it's got a really nice quaint vibe to it. You can walk all around Cork. Um, it's on a river called the River Lee, and uh, you can basically do the entirety of the, the downtown part of Cork and see all of the uh, the touristy stuff probably in two to three hours. You can walk quite a bit of it. Very cool. And tell me about the race. Uh, what, what's the what's the atmosphere like? How big an event is it? Yeah, so it is uh, very genuine and local feeling as a race. So there are about uh, 3,600 runners that were in the half that day and about uh, 1,050 doing the full. So let's say, uh, you know, 4,600, 4,700 runners in total. So it's not 
big as, as we might expect, for example, in Ottawa or Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal, but uh, big enough. Uh, lots of local runners and lots of local clubs represented. So you see a lot of runners with singlets with, you know, the local running club on it. Um, it seems like it's a pretty good grassroots kind of event. And the one thing that I was warned about, because my colleague has run this before, he said, uh, beware the hills. And when you look at the hill profile on the site, it's not looking particularly daunting, but he said they will eat you alive if you're not prepared for it. So he warned me to kind of hold back a little bit of my energy and not to kind of let it all go at the beginning because it would come back to haunt me. And he was absolutely right. After the first three to four K, suddenly we were running up this long, gradual hill. And then it seemed at every turn, you'd come around a corner and there'd be another hill. And they were almost entirely up until about ooh, 16K, and then you went down this really nice long downhill. You ended up down by the river, and then you finished the last 4 to 5K on the, on the river, which was really, really nice. Very cool. So uh, would you describe it as a scenic half marathon, or is it more of an urban kind of feel? It's a little bit of both. Um, it's not scenic, and you know, some people might think of Ireland. You know, they might think of cliffs and the ocean and stuff. Cork, Cork is quite a ways in from the, the water. Like there's a river that kind of comes into the city. I guess it flows out into the uh, Irish Sea, and so you're mostly in uh, either urban or suburban environments. But it's a very genuine tour of Cork. You get to see a little bit of everything. You start out near the river. Um, there's an old castle there. We didn't get to run by it, but you're within a couple of k of it, and then you come in to the city from the river, you go south for a while, you end up uh, in a suburban neighborhood, but a very old suburban neighborhood, so you get to see some of the original cork, uh, and then you kind of come into a more modern area where some of the, you know, the high tech and the business buildings are, and then after you do that really nice long downhill, you end up right down on the River Lee, and you run basically right along the river for the last 3 to 4K, uh, and then you end up crossing a couple of bridges, you come back into the, the downtown core, uh, and then you end up finishing by the Opera House, which is on this major street called St. Patrick Street, where it's lined with all sorts of fans. So at the end, the fan support was great, too. Sounds great. Uh, sounds yeah. like a really cool event. Yeah, it was It was everything I had hoped it would be and more. And we got lucky, too. The Irish are, you know, infamous for the weather. You know, the, the joke is, if you don't like the weather, wait another 20 minutes because it rains a lot. Uh, then suddenly the sun will break through. But that morning, it was almost perfect. It was a little breezy when we got up, but it was about 13 degrees Celsius, a little bit of sun when we started. And then it clouded over a bit about halfway through, and then it was overcast for the rest. So you really couldn't ask for better weather. So how would you rank this event among all the other events that you've done and all the places you've run? Uh, see, I loved it because I love Ireland. I, I have this kind of kindred uh, affinity for the country. My, my first Canadian forebears came from Ireland. I've been there seven or eight times now. I just love Ireland. I love the people. They're the most genuine, down-to-earth people you'll ever see. Um, beautiful scenery. I did one in Dublin about five years ago. It was also beautiful. Uh, a little more urban, though, than, uh, than Cork. Uh, Cork seemed a little more rural in nature. And uh, then, you know, I've gone right up to, I've done the Chicago Marathon. I think you've done that too. It's, uh, that's like the granddaddy in terms of one of the world majors with 1.7 million fans. You know, this is a little bit different. It's a little bit more grassroots. And uh, I kind of like that. I like the quaintness and the fact that there's lots of space and it's really easy to look around. In fact, after about 7 or 8K, the hills were kind of killing me. So I just stopped looking at my garment. 
I'd right. rather let's just enjoy enjoy the journey. Don't don't worry so much about the the goal and the destination. Good for you. Just put the yeah. And you know what? I ended up finishing about uh, a minute off my normal pace for a half. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I really I enjoyed it so much more because I just didn't bother worrying about pace. And where are you going to run next, or are you just going to see where luck will take you as you did this time uh, around? That's a great question. I'm always looking for something a little different. I like to do these, uh, you know, out-of-town things. And some friends of mine recommended the Syracuse half, which is in uh, November in Syracuse, New York. And my son is a half marathoner, so I'm going to take him with me, and the two of us are going to go run it together in uh, in Syracuse. That's pretty cool. Have you done events with yeah. him before? I think so, right? Eh? Yeah, I've done uh, the Ottawa half with him, and right. two years ago we did Richmond, Virginia. We did the half there. I'd highly recommend that one, too. It's uh, it's a beautiful course, and the last 2.5K are downhill, uh, which is a lot of fun. You're tired at that point. You can use the boost from, from gravity, so uh, it makes for a really thrilling finish, and a lot of people uh, BQ in that race as well. Okay, cool. Well, Tracy, it's great to have you share this story with us. Uh, it sounds like it worked out perfectly, and you had a great experience at a really interesting and fun event. So congratulations on another half marathon, and good luck with your training as you get ready for Syracuse in the fall with your son. All right. Thanks so much, Mark. That's Tracy Schuldice of Ottawa. Coming up in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk to the Canadian-born CEO of Noon Hydration and a runner who is conquering a series of obstacle course races. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.